Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about season two of Gentleman Jack with creator and showrunner Sally Wainwright, actress and executive producer Saran Jones, and actress Sophie Rundle. And Sally, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the, the language of the show and, and how you're writing a lot of the dialogue into it, because you know you work so closely with all of the research material with Anne's actual diaries, which were coded and then translated, some even specifically for the show. Um, and I was really, really interested in and what are the aspects of language that we get to see in the show that we get to hear characters speaking to? And how do you kind of take those words and take some of those moments and then work to really fill in a lot of the rest of the dialogue in a very similar style? Um, it is huge to say from the diary. I mean, there's no two ways about that. And once, you know, I spend hours and hours and hours, days, weeks reading the journals when I'm constructing the show. And so you do have it in your head. You know, you are living in two periods of time. You're living in 1832 and then you look up from your work and oh, it's, it's you know, it's 2021 and it's like, oh, hello. Um, so you do have all that language very much in your head. As, so it's, it, it's kind of second nature to, um, to, to, to be writing in, in that kind of, um, um, it, it doesn't kind of feel ancient or archaic to me anymore, almost to be, because the show feels so modern, but they are talking that language. So it doesn't actually, <clears throat> feel that archaic to me anymore. There are a couple of th things that jump out at me. I was watching episode five, I think it was, the other day when we were doing work in post-production at the moment, and there's a bit where um, Anne Walker is upset that Anne Lister's written um, to her friend Lady Harriet and included her, but as an aside, in she says, you put me in brackets, I'm sulky. And um, uh, <laughs> Anne Lister looks up to camera and says, what's not to like? And it struck me that God, that's so modern. Why did I write that? Because um, it feels it does like it does feel out of place. It's kind of funny because you're talking to Cameron and you can kind of get away with it. But um, it, 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 it did strike me that it was a real modernism to say what's not to like um, uh, when most of it is very much um, of the diary. It, it, you know the way everyone speaks is, and I hope it doesn't sound too. Um, you know, when a lot of period dramas they do kind of talk unnecessarily complicatedly um, uh, and I hope that <clears throat> they don't in Gentleman Jack because it is, it is taken from the diaries where people just spoke what was normal for them and it's, it is often surprisingly modern so maybe they did say what's not to like then as well who knows. <laughs> uh, Saran Thank coming up to out. Out you go. Go on. <laughs> How you brought your dog Sophie? He's downstairs I can hear him dreaming in the hallway actually. <laughs> <laughs> So he's having a great time. <laughs> Saran, for you, I know that I know that in the first season, the, the physicality of the role was kind of a huge thing. And it was very much about creating the walk and then that really building a lot of the elements from the ground up for you. And I was actually really interested as an extension of that about a lot of the, the physical motions and scenes that really reflect her you know, intellect and, and the speed at which her mind is moving because it feels like there's a lot of moments where she's interacting with people and, and she's very fluid and in motion even when she's in conversation. And you know she's kind of intellectually already on to the next thing before they've even finished a conversation. And so how did those elements inform some of the smaller details of the physicality of her as character for you? Um, I think it's, uh, I, I think Sally and I worked together on what our Anne Lister would be. And, and I think Sally had this idea that she needed um, energy and she wanted to blast us into the world. So there's, you know, there was a drone shot moving us into uh, episode, uh, episode one of season one. And then the walk kind of had to match the power of that. And then the 
cane twirling and the hat tipping and and all these things that she they're almost like um she can't she never stops moving so she's not looking at her watch she she has to be getting a book out or she has to be touching something else or taking an item of clothing off or you know um or telling someone else what to do so she's a step it tells the story of her being super smart um without me actually having to be super smart um and you know it's the it's um the fact that she is a whirlwind in everyone else's life and that people can't quite keep up with her. It enables us to see that she's um, a polymath. You know, she's she she's sucking in information at, at, at every aspect of her day. Um, and, and, you know, and we know that from the diary because she she's so detailed about every single thing that, you know, the weather, the time uh, when she ate, when people spoke to her. Um, so so that's it's it's a, a filmic way of of expressing how amazing she was as a character um you know and and sally when when we were creating the character at the beginning sally would always say you know let's have a clock watch you know when's the last time she looked at a, a, a clock in this scene or um or, or she'd ask me to keep an eye on it if someone else was directing so um it's amazing I think the difficulty I found in this second season was that it was done in the pandemic. So we were stopping, starting, stopping, starting filming. And um, actually the first season we were on a roll and we were able to build on it and keep, you know, keep working uh, with her. And, and then we could get the nuances because we'd gone so big with the, you know, the, the big expressions. So I did find that more difficult because once you take your foot off the analyster, you know, um, speedway, that certainly now it's like analyster on speed because she's got the wife and the money and the, you know, the, uh, oh, I like your cup. <laughs> Thanks. What's oh, your that's cup? a pretty great one too. <laughs> one too. I've got uh, mine as well. Yes. <laughs> From the fans, let's see yours. It's power of the dog. Oh, I thought it was us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> your cup. It could be. It could be. I'm just going to tell everyone that now. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, so there was a lot of challenges with this, but I, but I think um, there was a lot of scenes with me and Soph um, this time round. So we were able to find the uh, the, the humor, the, the the you know the delicacies of of. of so I get to do everything. It, it's not often you get to have a range like this um so I you know I thank Sal for that it's it's a brilliant character to play I love it <clears throat> yeah I mean and Sophie talking about elements of, of delicacy one of the things that I love in your performance and in this character is you know she she wasn't specifically going out trying to make boundary changing actions in her life, but ended up doing so and has a lot of fortitude within her. And yet there's also a real delicacy that you play very carefully to the point where, you know, when she's struggling to make a decision, it doesn't feel like she's wavering and can't make a decision. It's because she's really considering everything. And I think that duality in your performance is quite a difficult balance to strike and was interested in how you really make sure that you're playing to both of those elements of her. Um, well, thank you very much. But I, that, it's, it's, that's so astute of you because that's what Sally, I think, said to me from the beginning that, yeah, she wasn't wishy-washy. She wasn't sort of 
she wasn't irritating because she just couldn't make her mind up she really thought about this stuff and that was almost her downfall she really thought about it but um and I, I think you're right I think she actively tried to not <laughs> make any big splashy decisions she didn't want to like draw attention to herself but it's the it's the remarkable thing about Anne Walker that you think you understand her and you can write her off as being oh she's she's needy and she's crippled by all this OCD and she's you know she's silly perhaps but then it, at the heart of her is this extraordinary steel and this this strength and this bravery to make this decision to to live truthfully and and I think one really crucial thing about her character is that when we meet her at the beginning of series one she hasn't just kowtowed to her family and married some awful posh bloke you know for the money she has committed to living honestly and 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 trying to find some semblance of truth in her life I don't think she knows what that is but she is she's she's committed to to I don't know to, to trying to find who she is and trying to find a life that might make her happy um, um and she gets she gets it wrong and she makes mistakes but it's it's her um her loyalty in the end to Anne Lister and her ability to be brave that makes her the right match for Anne Lister and makes her a hero, I think. She's an unlikely hero, but she is a hero because she did what no one else could do, which is commit to Anne Lister and live this extraordinary life. Absolutely. And, and coming back to you, Sally, one of the other elements in terms of writing from the diaries that I find really interesting is the way that diaries are written. They're not full of exposition to explain things. You know, it's and Anne's writing when you see excerpts of it is is so meticulously detailed. And at the same time, it's it's not a narrative telling of a story. It's details from a day. Um, and so what does that challenge create in terms of having a lot of detail, but not necessarily the exposition and not the narrative to draw from? in order to then take that and shape the narrative arc of the show. I'm really glad you've asked that because it's really, it's, I, I like people to know that it's a novel. I'm not adapting a novel. That would be easy. <laughs> it would have a storyline and it would have characters that were well delineated and, and, and that dialogue. And it hasn't got any of those. It's just got a lot of facts and figures about mining and coal and stuff like that. pretty and there isn't. Yeah. Um, so um, it, that's the biggest challenge. I mean, the diary is fantastic. It's really fabulous to read. It's just full of gems and um, excitement, but it's also hidden in a lot of guff about how much it costs to mine coal. Um, so it's, so it's like to turn those journals into dramas and it's finding the patterns within what she does tell us that, that you can create story arcs from that's the hard part. Um, so I, I have to create story arcs across episodes and then a story arc across the whole series. And that is really challenging because sometimes she, um, you know, the, the, the gems are there. You've just got to keep looking for them and keep looking for them. Um, and th th there was one fantastic story that where she was actually telling a great story. It was to do with Eliza Rain in York. Uh, Eliza Rain was her first lover. And I was thinking, oh, great, we can get Eliza Rain to see in what too, because this fantastic story starts where she bumps into someone who says, have you seen Eliza Rain? We've lost a will. Can you come and help us find it? She goes off to help them. And then she just stops telling us this because it's a diary and she's just forgotten and she's not interested anymore. <laughs> so it was like a story that was starting to arc and then it just stopped. And it, so the, the diary is full of challenges like that where I, I, I really, I don't make things up at all. I very rarely have to add bits that connect um, you know, one story to another or anything like that, but it's 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 just not what you um, um, it's 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 not it's not a 
it's not a adaptation of a novel it's 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 a very different process it's kind of a unique process i don't think there's a word for it even i keep thinking i keep trying to invent one or hoping somebody else will say oh it's a such and such but nobody else <laughs> um but that the but it's the joy of the journal as well the other big problem is what is things that i can't fit in because there just isn't enough space there's there are lots of aspects of a life that just kind of fall by the wayside in gentleman jack but you know, I, I I maintain that you couldn't you could do make a, do a thousand interpretations of who Anne Lister was because there's so much material in the diary because she was this extraordinary polymath because there were so many aspects to her personality and to her intellect and to her character and to her ambitions and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, as I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question. I could. Oh, thank you. I mean, one of the things also that I wanted to ask all three of you about is in terms of this relationship between these two women, um, you know, when they're alone together, when there are those more intimate moments with the two of them, it's not a different dynamic than what we're seeing the rest of the time. You know, obviously there's certain ways that they can be together behind closed doors that they can't when other people are in the room, but it doesn't feel like they completely shift their dynamic or who they are with one another, which I thought was a really great way to see this relationship. And so I was interested for all three of you in, in, how you kind of approach setting that out from the beginning of the show and, and making sure that you're always carrying that through in all of these scenes. I think the thing is that they could actually hide in plain sight to a great degree because it was accepted that women lived together as companions uh, um, uh, and, and that people did believe in romantic relationships between women but, but they didn't understand that they were sexual. So that there are sex- bits in the diary where people visit Shibden Hall after Anne and Anne move in together and Anne um, Shows them around the house, and she, they show that she said that she showed them into the bedroom that they shared together. So they were they really were hiding in plain sight. I think the the, the modern aspect of them as um, and, the, and the modern aspect of the show, we were all really keen to um, strip away the period drama aspect of you know what what we've seen of these sometimes these staid people that feel like they've been taken from paintings you know in other period dramas and 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 I think you know to take away the dryness of that that they um relax that the corsets hurt that they lean back that they break wind that they you know they they talk about people behind people's backs that they they're real people and I think that the beauty of um once we got the go-ahead and the freedom from Sally to to do that it, it, it just, it, it was so much easier to then create these characters. And then you're like, of course, why, why don't people use that as a jumping off point more often in period dramas? They're real. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that, I think that, that gives you the freedom to not be, like you say, there's a certain way they have to be, uh, you know, in society, with societal pressures, just on women, not so much for um, Anne Lister, but, yeah, it's, I think it's a, and you get to see them grow more when you're not kind of putting on um, sh- a show and kind of, you know, putting them in a box for for this scene and then a box for that scene. It tightens the coil a little bit more because they are who they are and they're difficult, interesting, fragile, um, excitable people. Um you know, and and I think that all helps drive the narrative as well and the story that we're trying to tell. Mm-hmm, absolutely. 
and Sophie, I was I was interested in for for your character and how you view her relationship with mental health, which is a, a common theme throughout the show and and something that she clearly struggled with throughout her life because she's living at a time period where there wasn't the language for it the same way that there wasn't the language for her sexuality. And at the same time, it feels like she's very aware of a lot of aspects of that within herself. And even the fact that she's trying to navigate it and, and figure out kind of how to put one foot in front of the other, but it also doesn't consume her every moment, which is a very realistic expression of that. It's not all day, every day. There's moments where things come to the surface more for her than others. And so how have you approached and viewed her relationship with mental health throughout the show at this point? Yeah, well, I think part of it is that we have the privilege of knowing where it all goes and what happens to her. And we so we have that the privilege of hindsight. And and so this wasn't a, a, a one-time occasion in her life and then everything was fine and like, she went off into the sunset. This is this is gonna be a struggle that she grapples with her whole life. And and so that's quite informative. And there's a sort of um weirdly a creative freedom there because you you know that it's just in her and it's 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 not an affectation it's not um it's not uh, oh if she could just fix this then everything would be fine you know it's, oh well, as soon as she gets together with Ann Lister she's going to be fine she is going to struggle with this um for the rest of her life and there are a, a, a huge amount of mitigating factors that affect her and and I think what we tried to do was I mean look I've said this before and I'll say it again, Sally did all the hard work for me. <laughs> so I was following the script. And then we would try and find what are the um, triggers here in this part of the drama and what's happened to her here and what, what might she be struggling with here and what's the sort of um, the antagonism here to try and give specificity to what is an enormous um, theme to tackle and I, and I think that as you say she was just living and operating in a time where there was no language for this and that's so claustrophobic for her I think Anne Lister offers her language and offers her a route through um in as much as she as much as she could um but she's but she's completely sort of um bogged down by it when we first meet her and then and through Anne Lister sort of shining a light into her life she can try and find her way through it but but yeah it, it was just trying to trying to decipher what is going on in her head at any given time. Mm -hmm. and, and Sally I kind of wanted to come back to you and talk a little bit more about the the visual language in terms of the directing of the show and going off the back of what you were saying earlier about really wanting that modernity and it feels like a lot of the camera choices even you know the opening drone shot in season one that Saran was mentioning earlier really is led by Anne Lister as a character and so how did when you were first kind of coming on board as a, as a director and starting to storyboard and, and come up with camera choices and the perspective of how we're really seeing her as a character throughout the show how did Anne Lister as a character inform a lot of the choices that, that you then wanted to make with the camera in terms of the viewpoint that we have, even down to the obvious, you know, breaking of the fourth wall, which is the most modern element of it? Oh, well, just to begin with, I didn't actually direct season two. I've not been on board as a director on season two, unfortunately. I would like to have been, but I've just had time. Um, but the choices that were made in season one, um, I spent a lot of time talking to Matt, who was my DOP on the first block of season one. and. Um, we, we were very anxious to capture Anne Lister's energy. That was a, a huge thing for us. We'll, you know, Strauss just talks about that a lot. And one of the things I always think about is how Anne Lister was always three thoughts ahead of anyone else in any given situation. And it was to, I, want, I always wanted the audience to feel that they were having to struggle to catch up with her. Hopefully in the storytelling that, it, you know, it's always on the front foot or hopefully never explains, over explains anything. It doesn't insult anyone's intelligence. 
Um, but also physically, we're always struggling to keep up with her. So we <laughs> definitely have this idea that we're always following her with the steady cam and we're struggling to keep up with her. I was when we were filming because I had to run behind with my monitor. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, you know, using very dramatic devices like the Russian arm when she lands the high flyer in episode one, season one. Um, the, the fourth wall choice was kind of, that, that wasn't about speed of keeping up with her, that was more, um, to me it was about the diary, it was about um, when you read the diary, it's just you and Anne Lister. And it is like she's speaking straight to you. It, it's very, when you're as immersed in it as I have had to be when I've been writing the show, it is like she's speaking straight to you. You know, she's not speaking to anyone else. You know, you could argue she was right, who would, you know, she wasn't writing it for me, but at the same time now in 2021, she kind of is because I'm the person reading it. Um, and it felt, it, it can feel like you are, because she's so honest and she's so truthful and there's so much intimate vivid detail in the journal it does feel like you do have a relationship with her and so to break the fourth wall and for to speak to us often behind people's backs or just to the side of someone uh, when someone's actually in their presence but she's having a little word with us it, it, it does it does feel like that in the journal it, do, it, it does feel like an accurate reflection of the, the experience of reading the journal so I, I was quite pleased with that choice too. I know everybody does it now, but I think we had we had a good reason to do it. We weren't just trying to be. <laughs> it's one of the most difficult elements to it as well. I think that even um, so, Sally was on hand, obviously, um, as creator and exec producer all the time, even though she didn't direct this um, second season. And um, I think a lot of our conversations uh, around me talking to the audience and breaking the fourth wall um, are about keeping it natural, keeping it personal. Yeah. And it, it's almost like I have the challenge of um, my big physicality of Anne Lister and, you know, and being bold and present in society is part of that. Then the delicacy of, um, you know, the, the things that she's dealing with, with Anne Walker and having to be delicate. And then also this other element of talking to you who's watching it and being funny, you know, um, if I can, if I can be, you know, bringing that element in because it, it, it lightens the show. It, it, you know, it gives a very human element, but it's, it's tricky to do. And if you don't get it right, it just doesn't land. Um, and so I, I would often either say, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to say this, I'm going to try it this way and then just leave it to um, Sal to see everything or we talk on the day and do it together. But it's it's interesting how wrong you can get it <laughs> as well, as well as when it lands. It's brilliant. But it, yeah, it's, it can be quite tricky. But I think it's um, I think it's such a wonderful part of it because you feel like you're in on it all, which is gorgeous. The best yeah. bit was when um, Gemma Wheeler started trying to do her own bits to kind of <laughs> look at them because it was so funny. Yeah, it, it really works with Marion. I think it's, um, we've tried it with other characters. Um, it, it, Soph did it once, it was brilliant and beautiful. Um, when she very, asked It was very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, episode three? 
when they said who you're talking to. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's dead exciting when you do it though, when you're in the scene, but then I get really like excited and nervous to have to look somewhere else while you're doing it. <laughs> it's really, it does bring this really weird energy to it, but like, it's really exciting when it happens, but I'll leave it to you because I, yeah. I can't do it. I mean, I mean Saran, it's, it's such a, such an interesting performance aspect because you know, there's one of the early episodes of season two where she's reading a letter and there's a lot of emotion in your performance and then you're turning to camera and kind of winking there as well. And that's very different types of performance within a singular scene that you have to deliver and a different dynamic that you have with the camera and with the audience as well. Um, you know, and so how have you kind of found that relationship of, of that shift within scenes and that fluidity to really be able to step in and out of it? I think... Um everyone who works on this show will agree that if you have not done your homework before you get on set, mm -hmm. you are done for. And, and sometimes I think it's really hard to do your homework because you try, but when you're doing the amount of scenes we're doing, by the time you get to Friday and you know, you've know you've learned all of these scenes and you've been working at this pace and you've been trying to get all these elements in to make it what it is, um, and also the beautiful language, which, you know, is sometimes difficult to um, learn when you've got a tired brain. I, I think it, it's um, it's really challenging, you know, when you're like, oh, oh, right, come on, we can do this. And you literally have to give yourself a pep talk. Me and Soph would be like, because we, we had our, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, Winnebago's. Uh, next to each other and we pop out and go right you ready you know on on a Friday it'd be like come on um and I had to do um like I would walk just wherever we were filming you know uh sets studios fields whatever I would actually do the analyst to walk to kind of a get my steps up but also just to keep going <laughs> Um, it was re it really stressed the crew out because they'd be like, "Where is she?" And Saran would just be off somewhere. You'd just see her marching around, and I was no help. I'd just had a baby, so I was just sort of slumped in a chair. <laughs> Saran was like keeping the energy up. <laughs> you did a very good job. I really love that. Well, thank you so much to all three of you for for talking about the show, and congratulations on a great second season. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your lovely questions. <laughs>